this woman to watch movies, and do you take this man to talk about them? I now pronounce you a podcast. Welcome everyone to another episode of Wife Watches. I'm your host, Jason, and joining me as always, she's got no problem making out with her 90-year-old aunt's ex-boyfriend, it's my wife, Courtney. Hello. Courtney, how are you enjoying your quarantine time? I am, I am enjoying myself. I mean, I'm not, but here's what I mean. Going to the store is terrifying every time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we haven't talked about this yet, but there's a bit of a Wife Watches exclusive. I mean, ever not, it won't be really news to anyone by the time this actually comes out, but this week there was some big news in the world of the Olsen twins. So Mary-Kate Olsen and Olivier Sarkozy have ended their marriage. Do you think it's because we brought it up? <laughs> they heard it and they were like, this is ridiculous. Would you have said that you predicted this? Yeah, 100%. You thought they were going to break up? Yeah, well, hmm, no. I didn't think they were going to break up, but I didn't think she was in it all the way. I just hope they're doing well. Yeah. I would also like to bring attention to the fact that I predicted the Hiddle Swift breakup. Mm. Well, I don't know. I did. No, I did. It's easy to say that now, kind of like an armchair, you know. I have have receipts. Absolutely. Hindsight's always 2020. No, I have receipts. I really do. Twitter. Well, you've never really. Early 2016. Yeah, that's probably what it was. I mean, you've never really gone out of your way to like show them or anything. I will now. Okay. Okay. Good. Does it kind of make you feel a little nervous? Like maybe we should be more cautious about who we talk about? No. I'd like to keep seeing these things happen. Not divorce necessarily, but I'd like to keep, I mean, I'll feel very valid if another one of these prophecies, as I like to call them, comes to fruition. You think this should be a space for this where we have kind of like every week we do a little expose? Yeah, there are celebrity theories. Can you come prepared next week with another celebrity theory? I would love to. Look, I'd prefer it it to be tied to, in some tangential way, to like the movie we're talking about. but. If you're not able to, I don't know if that's something I can ask of you or if the if the prophecies and predictions just come as they will into your, you know what I mean? <laughs> we'll if you're, see, we'll if you're see a what conduit, happens. you can't really direct it that way. You just like kind of like take just, control of you. Yeah. Do you know what movie we're watching today? Ooh, I do. What? Captain America Civil War. Wow. Have you seen this movie before? I don't think I have. I've only seen the parts that you've shown me. The fight scene where Captain America does the really cool thing. Hmm. They're all fighting against each other. Which cool thing? With the shield. Okay. And the kick. Oh. Winter Soldier's there. No, 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 no. I know. Okay, I know what you're talking about now. That is actually a fight. That's a. That's from the Winter Soldier. Damn it! I did it again. I don't really know what this movie is. Then I've never seen it. I have shown you parts in our mad scramble leading up to Endgame last year. I think it'll be that thing where, as you're watching it, wait. Are you sure? Like all the characters show up and Spider-Man shows up for a minute. The move that I think you're talking about is toward the end of Winter Soldier when Captain America is trying to get one of the helicarriers and. There's two thugs, and he kicks one and hits the other with the shield at the same time? No, no, no. What? They're fighting, like, at an airport or something like that. Yeah. Everyone's there. I'm pretty sure it's from this. Do you remember anything from this movie, plot-wise or anything? No. Well, luckily for you, we don't have a slew, a whole phase of movies to have to summarize. Okay. So what do you have to tell me? I just have to tell you about one movie, Ant-Man. Oh, I've seen that. Did you like it? I did. I really liked it. Why I do don't you... remember anything, but what... I remember I really liked it. Why did you see it? Did you see it in theaters? Or just... Same reason. I just like used to go see stuff. It's weird the ones that you've seen. <laughs> you've seen weird well, ones. You... Okay. And also like this 
it had Paul Rudd in it, so I was like, oh, yeah, I'll see this one. Okay. That's probably more why. It's just weird that you didn't see any of the Avengers movies, which are the ones I feel like those are the ones that people go to see. Yeah. You just happen to catch all these other random ones. I know. An Ant-Man movie had been in the works since they put all of the Marvel movies together. It was like in their initial roster of movies they were going to do. So since 2006, they had Edgar Wright attached since then. Oh, Baby Driver. Yeah. Man, that... hmm. Okay. (laughs) Just thinking about Baby Driver. It's so good. I know. It's so good. Edgar Wright had been working on drafts all throughout the mid-aughts, but was also working on other projects. He made like three movies in the meantime. They finally were like, okay, we have a release date. It's coming out uh, just after Age of Ultron. We're doing it. And 15 months before the release date of the movie, Edgar Wright left the project. Whoa. I actually remember where I was when I like saw the, <laughs> the news alert for it. It was really weird. I was just laying in my bed. It wasn't special. <laughs> it was just crazy because he'd been so attached for eight years. They, he left over creative differences. He said, I wanted to make a Marvel movie, but I don't think they really wanted to make an Edgar Wright film. They were so far into production. He'd already had all the cast set up. When making a big budget movie that have these huge set pieces in it, you have to storyboard and map these out well in advance before you actually start filming. So that's one of the first things they really start working on with these movies is putting together these action sequences. So he had already mapped out and done pre-visualization for a lot of these action sequences when he left. So they got in Peyton Reed, who had done Yes Man, to basically steer the ship. Uh, It's perfectly fine, but every time I watch it, I always just think, I wonder what this would have been like if Edgar Wright had done it. Mm -hmm. And it's not fair because I'll never know what that movie is like, and for all all I know, it could have been worse. You know what I mean? I have no idea. It probably wouldn't have been. But I just always compare it to the Edgar Wright movie I have in my mind. It just feels a little generic. They also decided to focus on the Scott Lang character. Hank Pym is like the original Ant-Man who was in the comic books. They decided and said that they were going to have Michael Douglas play an older Hank Pym and focus on a younger Scott Lang, which is what they got Paul Rudd for. And Scott Lang was someone else who also became Ant-Man later on. He was a bit more of like a thief. Honestly, a bad person, sort of. He like steals the Ant-Man costume and becomes good. Anyway, that's it. Ant-Man. Okay, so Civil War is the official start to Phase 3, which culminates in Endgame. This movie further shifts Tony's and Steve's worldview and their relationship. Their relationship to each other and the other Avengers in the film. Because they're on like separate te- There's like two teams. Yes. And they're both leading one. Not, not immediately, but it will kind of like... Yeah. Bl- like the conflict will end up that way. This is both a sequel to Winter Soldier and Age of Ultron. So the events of both those movies really bleed into this one. The only things you really need to know from the Winter Soldier is that's the one where he brought down Hydra and there were like Hydra agents within S.H.I.E.L.D. There was there was one guy named Agent Rumlow who kind of like led this task force to like find Captain America in the Winter Soldier. And he gets like badly hurt at the end of the Winter Soldier. Okay. Anyway, he shows up again in this movie. Steve had a neighbor down the hall who he found out later was an agent that Nick Fury had placed there to like keep an eye on him. And there's kind of like a little flirtation in The Winter Soldier. Her name is Sharon. Blonde hair, she'll show up again. There was also a scene in The Winter Soldier that showed him visiting Peggy Carter as a very old woman. I, I I've think, seen that. Yeah, I, I think I showed you that. Very heartbreaking, actually, but... Steve. Yeah. <laughs> You're alive. <laughs> you, you, came, you came back. It's been so long. So long. Well, I couldn't leave my best girl. 
Not when she owes me a dance. Obviously, the crux of the movie is Bucky Barnes is the Winter Soldier. He was basically Hydra's hitman. After he presumably died in the 40s, they took him and brainwashed him. They cryogenically freeze him and then bring him out every couple of years to like go kill targeted people that Hydra wants dead, right? And then at the end of the movie, he's kind of snapped out of it and he goes on the run. So Bucky's gone, but he remembers vaguely who he is, who Steve is, and that's where Bucky is left off. And they haven't seen him in the two years between the Winter Soldier and this movie. Which is where Age of Ultron falls. Yes. So it's like Winter Soldier, a year later, Age of Ultron, a year later, Civil War. But Steve has been looking for him this whole time and wanting to know where he is. Okay. Up until this point, there's been little seeds planted of what Tony's relationship was like with his father. There's a great scene in Iron Man 2 where he stumbles on a video that Nick Fury kind of led him to. Howard Stark giving a very young Tony Stark a message, basically being like, I, I love you in my own way. Yeah, I've seen that. Tony, you're too young to understand this right now, so I thought I would put it on film for you. I built this for you. It represents my life's work. I'm limited by the technology of my time. But one day you'll figure this out. And when you do, you will change the world. What is and always will be my greatest creation is you. Tony's daddy issues and his issues with his parents play a huge role in this movie. Steve Rogers had a friendship with Howard Stark in the 40s. Howard Stark is the one who, he made Captain America shield, mm -hmm. all of these things, these things all tied together. And there's these weird complicated feelings that Tony has that add weird dynamics to what's going on in this movie and his relationship to Steve. Okay. Do you remember that there was a new Avengers team at the end of Ultron? Mm -hmm. And it was Captain America, Black Widow, War Machine, Vision, Scarlet Witch, and Falcon. So that has been the Avengers team that has been operating for a year now. So the movie will basically start with them on a mission together. I don't know. The other things I really just want you to... Until Endgame, this was had been my favorite Marvel movie. Oh, yeah. I just... I love what it does with the characters. I think these Marvel movies have a villain problem sometimes where the villain is just kind of bland or not just not interesting. And I think that's because they put so much work and the audience is so invested much more in the heroes. And so yeah. where I think this movie succeeds is it's really all about the heroes airing out these grievances, these arguments that have been built over these 13 movies in these eight years since the first Iron Man. And another thing I just, I love about this movie is there's so many characters, they all have different goals a lot of the conversations had and even like the action sequences feature different characters wanting different things and it makes it makes the conversations crackle and it makes the action sequences very thrilling because there's a lot of moving pieces that make it kind of chaotic in a really thrilling way. I really credit the Russo brothers who came back to direct this. Their background in comedy TV and working with ensembles, they're just able to give everyone's something to do. And this movie actually has more Avengers, like more superheroes than Age of Ultron did, but they're able to give everyone like at least a moment to shine and a little arc in their own ways, even though some characters obviously get a lot more focus and screen time than others. I'm very excited. Are you? Yeah. That's it, that's all I got. Do you have okay. any questions? No questions. We got our Jimmy Johns? We do, we got our Sonic, mine's a water this time. Whoa, okay. The year is 2016. Barack Obama is president. The top song this weekend was Purple Rain by Prince. Well, that's because Prince died. That makes sense. Up until that point, it was One Dance by Drake. I don't even know that song. 
Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt broke up in 2016. All right. Kim Kardashian was robbed in Paris. Oh, my heart. Kim Kardashian also leaks Taylor Swift's phone call. Yeah, she did. Oh, Taylor Swift and Tom Hiddleston. Guess who knew that was a scam right from the start? Yeah, right. I did. I have tweets to prove it. I have receipts. Do you? I do. Okay. Produce them. Okay, I will. Good. Uh, Leo finally wins his Oscar. Sure, The Revenant. Yeah. I remember that. He didn't. That's not the one he should have won for. What should he have won for? The Wolf of Wall Street. And uh, that's it. We're in 2016 right now. Are you? I'm firmly planted. Okay, let's go get our Jimmy Johns. All right. Okay. Assemble! And we're back. Courtney, what movie did we just watch? We watched Captain America Civil War. What did you think? What do you think I thought? Oh, I have no idea. Really? I mean, I think you were at least somewhat engaged because you were at different points asking clarifying questions Kay. to help you understand the story better. Mm-hmm. I couldn't exactly take your temperature on what you thought of the action. Okay. I also couldn't necessarily read how invested you were emotionally in what was happening in the film. Compared to Age of Ultron. Yeah. Okay, well, let me tell you. All right, hit me with it. I was very engaged. I really liked it. It was a very good movie. I thought the action was some of the best action I've seen. (laughs) What? (laughs) Did you think this was going to go? I don't know. I don't know action. But like in the Marvel movies i i thought because remember how last time we were talking about in age of ultron it's just kind of like empty action because they were fighting robots yeah this was like very coordinated very choreographed i was gonna say creative yeah it was creative a lot of age of ultron is very similar and you could honestly cut out 20 minutes of some of that fight on sokovia at the end and you wouldn't really remove anything from the story Good action sequences should also be like a, a story within themselves of like yeah, and rising action, climax, falling action. There is so much of Age of Ultron where the action just happens and nothing changes. You don't reveal character through any of the action in Civil War and I will say in Winter Soldier as well because they're very, they have a very similar action style. They're very creative. They're very captivating. I would break it up into three different parts and I would actually break it up. The movie or? The movie. Okay. The very beginning, they have the whole thing in Africa that starts the whole movie. Lagos, sorry. Yeah, well, that's in Africa. You're right. (laughs) I actually don't know if it's a real place, but they were saying on the African continent. Lagos is Israel, yeah. Okay, Yeah. yeah, it's in Africa. The second part is when they have the big fight at the airport, which is what I was talking about earlier. That's the scene I remember. Thinking about it now with all the cars and that kickflip move that you like, I was conflating the two. You know why I thought that was the case? Why? Is because I remember telling you once that a criticism of the Marvel movies is their color palette is kind of washed out. They're on like a yeah a military airstrip in the Winter Soldier. It looks just like it, the airport okay. sequence. Yeah. So like So I just conflated them. Yeah. Yeah. So that part, I feel like that's like the very middle of the movie. It's right after Captain America and Iron Man have their little conversation. That was my favorite scene in the movie. The airport fight? Yeah. I loved that. It was like so engaging and it was funny. Like so much of it is really funny. Yeah. And the action is really cool. 
I have a lot to say about it. Okay, but we'll yeah, come back no, to yeah, it. Yeah, keep going. And then, obviously, like, the last, the final, like, battle is Captain America and Iron Man, which is also really good. Uh, Those like, are my fa- my three, like... I think you're just describing the acts of the movie. Yeah, that's what I mean. Those are the three points that I remember. And okay. they are all action se- sequences. But they're not, like, you don't get lost in them. They're not messy, which I think is why... I'm able to remember those ones. I also, for me at least, the action in The Winter Soldier and Civil War is much more grounded. Someone I was listening to, they described it as close quarters. It's a lot of like physical fighting within your space, whereas in the first two Whedon Avengers movies, they're more magical, I guess. They're like bigger, more grand, Yeah. but these are more tactical. I think the action in, the, in both of these movies is spectacular. And it is, like I've said, my favorite type of action. But I love watching like characters like Captain America, Black Widow, the Winter Soldier. Their fighting style is meant to be the most efficient, lethal. Their job is to go in and out and as quickly as they can incapacitate an opponent. Yeah. So their fighting style is so creative with how they're able to so efficiently just... Yeah. Remember that part where Black Widow's driving, she was riding on the bike, and we both were like, oh, oh yeah. She like... Is it the part, it's at the Winter Soldier? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did I think it was Black Widow? Oh, she because ri- She I, rides a bike a lot. Yeah, too. I was thinking of that scene where she does, she gets off of it. She rides it into the city. It's when they're in Lagos. Oh, when she rides and she like jumps off and like it skids and trips a guy? Yeah. Yeah. No, I know what part you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it yeah. might be one of my... F- so... That chase scene in, they're in Budapest or or Bucharest? Bucharest. That chase sequence with the Winter Soldier, Captain America, Black Panther. For the most part, it's all practically done. Yeah, you can tell because you can follow it. I was watching, the Corridor Crew is a YouTube video. That's that YouTube series, that channel where they they break down CGI and action sequences. They, They did, they brought on one of the stunt people from the Civil War to like break down some of the action they did. When they're just running, you know how like they're just running so fast past all the cars? Yeah. They have a strip, basically like a, like a, like at the airport. Yes. That they are running on that's moving them faster so that they are physically moving quicker than the cars are. So they don't have to like speed it up. Yeah. There's a part where Bucky just like runs, jumps over a car. That That, a a stunt person did that. Wow. They said they had to practice so many times to get it right. And even when Black Panther is like holding on the back of the car that Captain America is driving, Mm -hmm. also a stunt person. Ugh. When Bucky knocks the motorcyclist off and in the same move of spinning him around, gets back on the bike and just keeps going in one fluid motion. It's so cool. It's super cool. It's so awesome. That's And this is what I was talking about before where not only the quieter, like more intimate scenes, but also the action sequences, they have so many characters that want different things and their goals come into conflict in ways that make the action chaotic. Yeah. Where it's like Bucky's trying to get away. Captain America wants to protect Bucky. Black Panther wants to kill Bucky, but Captain America is trying to stop Black Panther from doing that. But also, like, Bucky's trying to get away, but Captain America is trying to stop him from hurting them, but still stop them from hurting him. Like, all of the action has people with different goals and their methods clash. I mean, how did this stack up to the first two Avengers in your mind? Did you like it more, or do you still... I like both of them. I I like this one and Age of Ultron more than I like the first one. Yeah. I, I might like this one more than Age of Ultron. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Whose side are you on? Oh, I was going to ask you that. I don't know because they both 
make really compelling arguments. But I think I'm on Team Captain America. Well, the movie, I mean, the movie is kind of, it is built in a way so you kind of sympathize more with Captain America. I mean, it is an Avengers film, but it's still like his movie, right? But it's funny knowing that like what happens with Infinity War and Endgame, the argument could be made that Tony was right the entire time. I really started to, cause like most of the movie, I don't know, I feel like I went back and forth, but most of the movie, I think I was Captain America. At the end, though, when they're beating the hell out of each other, you're just kind of like, you obviously sympathize more with Captain, or with Iron Man. That's what I think is so kind of masterful about this movie and why it was, up until Endgame, my favorite Marvel movie. Even when I disagreed with either Steve or Tony, I'm like, like they're my buddies. <laughs> like when you, call, when you call Captain America Cap, sometimes that just slips out. I try not to. It's more for it's more <laughs> for time and efficiency. But yeah, okay. Yeah, it actually kind of bugs me in the movies when they just call him Cap. I, I would Be, agree with for that. that same reason where it's like, okay, yeah, yeah best we friends. Know. We know, we get it. What is so masterful about these movies is no matter where you kind of are with how far, like whose side you're on with Tony Stark or Steve Rogers, you still can sympathize entirely with what they're doing. Even if you're like, like that end, I don't I want to get more into that in a little bit, but like I can completely understand why Tony is doing what he's doing. Yeah. Like they have built it up in a way and like they've executed it, the, the Russo brothers, in a way where you just see completely from everyone's perspectives of like with well, what their, their motivation tracks. Yeah, because Tony really suffered from the last two times that he's made mistakes. And so he's kind of like, I'm not going to make another mistake. Like I'm done. What happened in Sokovia completely informs all of Tony's guilt in this movie. Mm -hmm. And is the, the entire driving force of that conflict of should the Avengers split up? Should they sign these accords? Whatever. Yeah. I was also going to say it tracks with Captain America's personality that he would not want to sign the papers. There's nothing weird about either of their characters. I mean, that's basically what you just said. Even with like all of them, you're kind of like, oh yeah, I know why this person would. Their characterizations are consistent. Yes. And they've been fleshed out so well now in previous movies because yeah. this is the 13th film in the series, that you do know exactly like what you're getting with. If an, if a character shows up, you're like, I know what they're going to be like, and I know how they would react in the situation. And yeah. it all rings true how they're acting. Yeah. I would even say like with Natasha Romanoff, her character flip-flops back and forth the yeah. whole time. Which I, I guess not the whole time, just partway through she kind of flip-flops. Well, I think it's interesting because it builds off. You haven't seen The Winter Soldier, but The Winter Soldier really gets into her psychology of she hasn't made her own decisions for herself. She's been kind of guided, where, told where, where to go and what to do through different organizations that she's worked for. And bringing S.H.I.E.L.D. down in The Winter Soldier... She has now been like, I'm a free agent and I'm finally going to make choices for myself. And I feel like that kind of informs where she goes in Ultron, how she acts and how she behaves in Age of Ultron. And in this where she's trying to like navigate these waters. She's like, I'm trying to stay flexible and I'm trying to adapt as I can. And that's how, that's what, that's what her skill is, is adapting to new situations. Yeah. It's also interesting how they all want to keep everyone together. Like they all want ultimately like the best outcome which is keep the avengers together and do what's right but they all have very different methods and like ways to get there because they've also all had such different experiences yeah that's why i was saying like captain america came from world war ii fighting well and beyond that he is so disillusioned with government, government because yeah. of what's happened to him in the last age of ultron and yes. the winter soldier that he just is immediately like no we don't, that's we don't need, i trust the individual he's like very much like that yeah 
Where so, Tony has been the individual that people have trusted, and he doesn't trust himself. The way that they flip over the course of these movies is something I've just I've always thought. Well, I've just it's so it's so interesting because mm-hmm. in their first own like when you're introduced to these characters early on, like Tony is like. There's a scene in Iron Man 2 that he, he goes before a Senate panel and they're like, we want you to turn over the Iron Man equipment to the, the government. Like, this, so, no one should have this. It's too dangerous. And he's like, it's working. We're safe. America is secure. You want my property? You can't have it. But I did you a big favor. I have successfully privatized world peace. I am the individual. And Captain America was like, no, I am part of the collective. I'm part of the group. I'm fighting. We're fighting Nazis and we're, I'm, I'm enlisting. I'm like a part of a bigger cause than myself. They completely jumped over each other where now Tony's like, I don't trust the individual. We need accountability. We need oversight. And Captain America's like, the safest hands are our own. It's so interesting the way they have like completely flipped, but it doesn't feel out of the blue or forced just to make a conflict. It feels like this is naturally where these characters would be going. Well, and this might sound kind of stupid and honestly maybe a little cheesy, but it's that's why it's it's like easy to relate to both of those characters Mm -hmm. because they're only doing what they're experience I mean, there's been so many there have been so many experiences in my own life where I'm like I have completely flipped on how I used to be because of the experiences that yeah. I've had. So it's, it, they just are very relatable characters. And I like Specifically in this one. Tony's paranoia of I've got to protect the world led him to make this massive mistake in Ultron that he wants to pay for. When he has that interaction with that, with that lady in the hallway that kind of drives his like really compounds his guilt. When she's like, that's a great thing you did for those kids there, like funding all of their projects. And she's like... They say there is a correlation between generosity and guilt, but you got the money. Break as many eggs as you like, right? I think Tony Stark, he, I think the, his character gets more interesting with every movie that he's in. He just gets more complex. And yeah. Robert Downey Jr. is just fantastic. He is so good. Yeah, you have a little crush on him. He's just so interesting to watch. He has such an interesting like delivery. of. He carries himself in a way that's very unique. You just always want to watch him because there's nothing generic or bland about his performances he's i never feel like he's phoning it in ever no yeah so they didn't originally intend to adapt this storyline for the third captain america movie but pretty early on kevin feige to the screenwriters was like hey you should incorporate elements of civil war civil war is a comic series that was in like the mid-2000s it's a little bit different in that the thrust is in the comic books superhero secret identities is like a really big thing like everyone has secret identities and that's just not a thing in these movies everyone knows who all of the superheroes are in the comic books there's like kind of like c-level superhero group and they have a fight with these bad guys they end up blowing up a like an elementary school which prompts the government to be like okay we're going to register superheroes so you have to come to the government give us your secret identity and register as a superhero so there can be some kind of accountability and that draws the same kind of lines between iron man and captain america and spider Spider-Man actually plays a pivotal role in the comic books. He's initially on Iron Man's side and reveals his identity to the world and then switches sides to Captain America. The comics is a lot goofier though. There's like a Thor clone that like (laughs) kills a bunch of people. I have a question. Yeah. What came first, DC or Marvel comics? DC technically, because that would be the late 30s with Superman and Batman. They also kind of evolve, like Marvel Comics technically used to be something called Timely Comics, but like Marvel Comics as we know it really was like in the 60s. 
really got its grounding there of like, that's when Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, and John Romita Sr. and all these like people, these creatives, that's when they came up with like Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, the X-Men, was like the 60s was like the age of Marvel really, really so coming Stan, up with the iconic characters. Stan Lee really created these characters. That's I would, why he's in all of them. I would say he co-created them. Why does he get all the credit? Be careful. I don't want him to haunt us. And I don't I don't think he's done anything like shady like this, like muscled anyone out. But I just think it's, one, it's easier for people to latch onto one person to remember for like something like this. But he's also just like a showman. Like he's the one that really sold these characters. And he was often the one writing them, like writing these comic books. And that was always like his gift was like, he's very bombastic and like very showy and... Okay. He's a real salesman kind of guy is the okay. way like he kind of behaves. But Don't, Do you kind of wish sometimes you were like that? I think life would be easier. I know. I think about that every day. <laughs> I'd probably make more money. What would life be like if I enjoyed talking to people? <laughs> I know. And I wasn't just an anxious ball of After every conversation, nerves. I walk away being like, oh, I sounded like an idiot. Yep. Like, why did I say that? Yep. Yep. So yeah, they, they adapted the elements of it, which was essentially that there would be a political issue of the government intervening in the, like, the actions of these superhero teams and that the lines would be drawn between Iron Man and Captain America. I actually wondered for a long time if they were going to kill Captain America in this movie because he is killed at the end of that comic book arc. Oh. By Crossbones, the like the guy from the beginning yeah. of the movie. He's like a pretty, he's a much more involved villain in the comic book series. He assassinates. What he, what he almost does in the beginning, right? Yes. Yeah. He assassinates Captain America and Chris Evans was always kind of cagey about if he was going to come back and do any more because this is also the production of this movie is during the like age of Ike Perlmutter is still in the picture. Okay. And so I was always like, he is not revealing that he is actually not coming back for any more movies after this movie. I wonder if they're going to kill him and that will be the end of like his arc in these films. But they didn't. And they dispose of Crossbones pretty quick in the movie. Yeah. Ike Perlmutter, the piece of shit that we hate. Yep. He originally wanted Robert Downey Jr.'s role to be smaller. This movie went through a lot of different variations of like what the movie was going to look like. He originally wanted Robert Downey Jr. to maybe be around for like shoot for like three weeks, have a very small role, essentially like a cameo in the movie, right? Downey wanted a much more substantial role and Ike was furious about it. Requested that the screenwriters remove him from the script altogether. But Feige was like... No, I'm going to push for Robert Downey Jr. to have a substantial role to really adequately adapt this storyline in our own universe the best way that we can, which would involve both of them having a pretty, both playing really big roles in the movie. Ike was kind of on his way out anyway at that point, but they had these negotiations in line with Robert Downey Jr. to get him to sign on to being in this movie. And they had a backup that if, if negotiations fell through, the storyline would still involve Helmut Zemo, the bad guy in the movie, detonating what is called the Mad Bomb, which is another storyline from the comics, which basically turns a bunch of people into like ravenous zombies. So the climax of the movie would have been I want to see that. A lot of people and some superheroes turned into these zombies, and then Captain America and some of the other superheroes having to fight them. Oh, why didn't they do that? This is better, trust me. You think you want that, but that would be a very generic. I feel like yeah. that's a much more yeah, generic. Yeah, Yeah. I still want to see it though. Chris Evans got fifteen million dollars. Just ignore me. <laughs> you just move on. We already talked about zombies for an hour on this podcast. I love once. zombies. Chris Evans got paid fifteen million for this movie. Let's hear how much Robert Downey Jr. made. The negotiation they finally reached with Downey, he would get forty million dollars oh plus gosh. a back end. Also, there would be an additional payout to him if this movie made a certain amount of money, like there was a threshold they would have to clear, if it made a certain amount of money more than The Winter Soldier. His argument would be, if it makes this much more money than The Winter Soldier, that has to mean that got the downy bump. 
That's very smart. It is. He is a very wealthy individual. Yeah. There's a lot of emotion in this movie, I feel like. That's why it, I like it more than the other two Avengers movies prior, is I'm much more emotionally invested in what's going on. Pretty early on in the movie, there is a scene where Tony revisits the last time he ever spoke to his parents. He does miss you when you're not here. And frankly, you're going to miss us because this is the last time we're all going to be together. You know what's about to happen. Say something. If you don't, you'll regret it. I love you, Dan. And I know you did the best you could. That's how I wish it happened. <laughs> it doesn't change the fact that they never made it to the airport or all the things I did to avoid processing my grief. That scene always affects me. I don't know why. Yeah. Every time. When that scene happened the first time I saw this in theaters, I was like, oh, we're in for something different. I feel like this is going to really get into the emotional core of these characters and like their relationships to each other and really try to fracture these. Because they're really dredging up Tony's daddy issues that he has and this, this weird conflicted relationship that he had with his dad. Yeah. I don't think I liked it as much as you did though. It's something about it is just so sad. The idea that just knowing that someone thought like I was just so flippant to my parents the last time I saw them. The idea that you could go back and like just say what you wanted to say to them before that you had, didn't have a chance to. Something about that is just, I don't know, that's heartbreaking. I feel like that is universally relatable. Yeah. Honestly, every time I see it, if I'm in the zone really to like be watching the movie, it really just kind of like, kind of chokes me I up know, a little I bit. I know, I looked over, you were kind of choked up. <laughs> I know. I just think, yeah, they're really onto something different with this movie, including uh, the death of Peggy Carter. I didn't know that she founded S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't know how I missed that. Well, that's kind of also just revealed in other movies too. That's something else that's interesting about Steve's arc. His convictions of what he's going to do versus on the Accords are really cemented at Peggy's funeral when Sharon, who's revealed to be Peggy's niece, who you, we have met in The Winter Soldier, gives that speech about doing what's right. Do you remember that? Yeah. And she said, compromise where you can. But where you can't, don't. Even if everyone is telling you that something wrong is something right. Even if the whole world is telling you to move, it is your duty to plant yourself like a tree, look them in the eye and say, no, you move. Do you know that speech is actually a speech that Captain America gives to Spider-Man in the Civil War comic books? And so that's when he kind of cements like, I know what I'm gonna do and like, I'm kind of immovable at this point. But what I think is interesting about him is he also bends, he's pretty flexible with what he's willing to allow in order to protect Bucky. He'll kind of allow a lot in order to protect his friend. And I feel like that's where Tony- Oh, you Tony, mean like Bucky killing Tony's mom and dad? Or even just like beating up a bunch of cops to protect Bucky. My two favorite dialogue scenes in this movie are right after Secretary Ross comes and tells him about the Sokovia Accords. The conversation they have afterwards, I really enjoy where they're all just arguing and like, they all have like different levels of investment in the argument. And then finally, Tony, that's when he shows like the, uh, that woman's son and he's like, we have to be put in check. And then the, the conversation's interrupted by Steve getting the notification that Peggy's died. But then the other conversation I really love is after Steve and Sam and Bucky get picked up and they're in Berlin, Tony and Steve have this conversation where Tony's, it's like his Hail Mary, his last ditch effort to get him to sign. I'm trying to... What do you call it? That's a, uh, an olive branch. Is that what you call it? It's pepper here? I didn't see it. We're kind of, well, not kind of. Pregnant? No, definitely not. We're taking a break. It's nobody's fault. I'm sorry. 
so sorry, Tony. I didn't know. A few years ago, I almost lost her, so I trashed all my suits. Then we had to mop up Hydra, and then Ultron. My fault. And then, and then, and then, I never stopped. Because the truth is, I don't want to stop. I don't want to lose her. I thought maybe the Accords could split the difference. I'm not saying it's impossible, but there would have to be safeguards. It's almost like once Tony opens up about how he and Pepper are basically on the rocks, that creates the empathy in Steve where he's like, maybe I can sign this. Like, it's their friendship's so interesting where they want to work together, and but there's just this weird strain when he, and even like Tony's like, Sometimes I want to punch you in your perfect teeth, but I don't want to see you gone. We need you, Cap. They like they almost get there. Like, what is the last moment where they could have reconciled everything? And I feel like that's the moment. Like, they he almost had him. They almost agreed to compromise with each other. And then it all fell apart when Tony let slip that he was confining Wanda to the compound. I follow motion. Have you and Wanda reinstated? Wanda, what about Wanda? She's fine. She's confined to the compound currently. Vision's keeping her company. Oh God, Tony! Every time, every time I think what you see things the right way. What is a hundred acres with a lap pool? It's got a screening room. There's worse ways to protect people. Protection. Is that how you see this? This is protection. It's internment. She's Tony. not a U.S. citizen, and they oh, don't grant on, visas Tony. to weapons of mass destruction. She's a kid. Give me a break. I'm doing what has to be done to stave off something worse. You keep telling yourself that. So much of this movie could be fixed by people just kind of taking a step back and like working out an issue. But much like real life, it just doesn't because of miscommunication, of like talking past each other. That's why I think the arguments and everything in the movie and like the motivations, they feel true to life because that's just kind of how life can be sometimes. Yeah, I think it's interesting too that he brings up, he pulls Captain America into his daddy issues, kind of. Yeah. Where he brings up, he's like... Oh really, you two knew each other? He never mentioned that. Maybe only a thousand times. God, I hated you. It's little things like that in the dialogue where that reveals so much about, oh, you really had like this weird complex of living up to someone that you never could. Yeah. Yeah. This movie has even more Avengers than we've seen before. We already talked about Black Widow. We did. I really love the scene where it's right after Peggy's funeral and she just kind of goes to visit him and she's like, they're talking about the Accords. I just love that. It's just this sweet little scene where he's like, I'm sorry, Nan. I can't sign it. I know. Well, then what are you doing here? I didn't want you to be alone. I they have such like a very sweet friendship throughout these movies. I just think yeah. that's another through line I love to track. Um, your two favorites, Wanda oh. and Vision. What'd you think? I love them. Hit me with it. I don't know. I just, I really like the scene where he's cooking. I love that they have a connection over. They both feel like there's something different about them that might be dangerous that they can't control. I thought it was very interesting that the one thing that Vision doesn't know is what the stone is in his forehead. <laughs> So she got her powers from that stone. That's why she's able to. Because it's from Loki's staff, right? Yeah. What did you think of Vision's outfits? Oh, I thought they were great. He's looking sharp. He is. He's always looking like a dad on his way to a business trip. Funny idea. But you know that... what? So is Steve Rogers in this movie. Everyone's business casual. Nobody's really wearing. Not their like stuff. Vision though. He's got like slacks. Right. He's got like his like sweater vest. Yeah, that's I true. just love that. Like in his mind, when he's just like, "What kind of person am I?" That's why I'm, you know what I mean, like. <laughs> That's the persona he's decided for himself of like what, yeah. The, yeah. He's like Delta Diamond Club. Um, did you also like how Avengers Incognito outfit is always 
Ball cap, aviator glasses, jacket, yeah. plain gray t-shirt. Yep, both Captain America and the Falcon. And I fa- forgot. Shit. I, I forgot Falcon wore it. That was even yeah. funnier when he sat down next to Falcon. He's yeah. wearing the same outfit. Like, oh, that doesn't look conspicuous <laughs> at all. Two people wearing the same thing. You know what I forgot to tell you last week? Wanda Maximoff's character in Age of Ultron was written with Saoirse Ronan in mind. Oh. How's that make you feel? Conflicted. I also wanted to tell you that Lindsay Lohan auditioned for the role. <laughs> How'd you like Falcon in this movie? What are your feelings about Falcon in Falcon's general? Falcon's just kind of empty for me. I don't really care about him. Same same as Rhodey. I just don't. Yeah. I'm like, ah, you're fine. Yeah, they don't really give them much. They don't. There's no emotional connection. Well, I will say, when Rhodey falls, you obviously, when you think he's going to die for a second, you... Did, so did you think he was... I thought he died. That part is... They really... They just hold on him in like the thud hitting the ground. Yeah, but they they don't give you any sort of emotional connection to either of those characters, so it's hard to hard to connect to them. I feel the same way. I feel like they, which I think will be solved as Falcon becomes Captain America. I guess we're skipping ahead to Endgame in some ways, but in that scene when he is given like the mantle of Captain America passes over to him in that scene, that is the most I felt like interested in that character. Yeah, he's completely fine, but they don't really give you much to work with him right. and War Machine. And honestly, a lot of other characters feel very. Is that Rhodey? Yeah. They're very tertiary. Stupid name. War Machine? (laughs) Wow. I like Rhodey more. What? Rhodey's his name. Oh. James Rhodes. His nickname's Rhodey. Did you think like Rhodey was like a superhero, like code name for him? I don't know what I thought. I just. I didn't. War Machine? Yeah. That's the dumbest superhero name I've ever heard. Uh, Okay, but like, let's remove yourself from like Captain America. If you didn't know who that there was already Captain America. You know, they're all pretty stupid. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. But wh- Iron Man. The Falcon. What did you think of the bad guy? Helmet Zemo. That's his name in the thing. Mm-hmm. He was fine. Wasn't very scary, but just didn't really need to be because it wasn't really about him. Uh, but yeah, well, he was effective because he got what he wanted to do. His plan is so contrived. I don't know how much you notice it like the first time you're watching it, but there are so many. Th- he has to like wear a prosthetic Bucky mask that, get caught, <laughs> that gets caught on camera so that they, you know what I mean? Like, oh, he wore the prosthetic. Bucky. Yeah. He had to like deliver that EMP at the right time that he was disguised as the psychiatrist that would go off so that he could read the words to Bucky. And then he had to like manipulate them so they would just show up at that compound yeah, to show him the video. Contrived. But I, I honestly don't mind how ridiculous because it is. Because it's not about him. No. It doesn't matter. It's about the emotional like undercurrent of what the characters are going through. So I kind of forgive how sloppy it is, how they have to get characters from point A to point B. Although he will, um, he's coming back in the Falcon and Winter Soldier TV series. So is uh, Sharon Carter too. Oh. What did you think of Bucky? Um, Bucky was fine. I wonder this because, I mean, you've seen the first Captain America in the 40s, and he's in it, but I don't think you've seen it in a long time. Yeah. And you haven't really seen the Winter Soldier. So I was mostly just wondering if you felt any kind of empathy for him or connection to his character or thought that his relationship with Steve was... Yeah, it makes sense. I think I would feel the same way. And like he kept insisting that he didn't do it. So then you're like, well... If he didn't do it, yeah, I feel bad for him that everyone's looking for him. And you know that he's brainwashed. He's been brainwashed so many times. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. There's a, there's a good moment where he's like, I don't know if I'm worth all of this. Yeah. All right, Black Panther. Yeah. We're introduced to Black Panther. Yes, yes. He's got a very compelling face. 
voice. Do you know what I'm saying, though? Yeah, I, I love Chadwick Boseman. Yes, he's just very, like, he's so interesting to watch. Mm -hmm. And his superhero, like, his character was cool. Really cool. He has one of the best arcs in the movie. I really like Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, his story's kind of sad. Does it kind of make you want to see a Black Panther movie? Yeah, I, I actually thought that. I think you might like that. Some of these other movies are very, they really strain, like, the definition of the superhero genre. Because it's like, what is a superhero movie if, like, Guardians of the Galaxy feels more like Star Wars than, like, Spider-Man? And Black Panther feels... It's technically a comic book movie, but it feels very different in like tone and like the story and what it is. It feels a lot more like a tale of like a royal feud within like an African setting. Originally, uh, they had Black Panther as a much smaller role uh, because it wasn't clear if they were going to get, be able to get Spider-Man in the movie. When they weren't sure what was going to happen with Spider-Man's character, they really beefed up Black Panther's role. And then they decided like the movie kind of doesn't really work without how integral of a role that he plays. So they just kind of left it that way. We're also introduced to... Spider-Man. Oh, when that, when they, uh, okay. So the scene before you're introduced to him, they're talking about like, do you have an idea? Where's your idea? Where's yours? Remember that? Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, it, I, that part's so great. And like the really loud music and it just is New York and it says Queens on the screen. I have an idea. Me too. Where's yours? Downstairs. Where's yours? I can only imagine how it would have felt if I knew, but like you're already expecting Spider-Man to come. Because to be honest, I forgot he was in this movie. I'll tell you, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Because I had also forgotten at this point when I'm first seeing it that Spider-Man was in this movie because you just don't expect Spider-Man to be interacting with any of these characters. Right. It's almost like that thing where you realize what's happening right before it happens. So when Tony's like, and he just kind of smiles, I was like, oh, Spider-Man. And then it cuts <laughs> right to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, especially if you've never seen a Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland in it. Well, you wouldn't have. This, well, this I was know, his but first I appearance. had. Oh, so it yeah. was like, it was still like fun, but it wasn't, it probably wasn't as special as like anticipating like what that character was going to be like, what Marissa Tomei was going to be like, like well, you know. When like Spider-Man up until that point had operated in his own little like limited yeah. universe, no matter what you think of how they have handled Tom Holland's Spider-Man's characterization in future movies, it is fun to see him, the potential of seeing him interact with these characters, so exciting. Yeah. Can I give you a little bit of this background? Because yes. it's very similar to the Scarlet Witch Quicksilver situation that kind of felt like a weird divorce, like you said. Two years prior to this, 2014's Amazing Spider-Man 2 severely underperformed to what Sony's expectations were. That's the Andrew Garfield, Emma Stone one. Oh, I know. And at that point, they were really pushing to have some kind of shared universe of different Spider-Man characters. They honestly still kind of are. Venom is a oh, Spider-Man yeah. villain. Morbius, the Jared Leto movie that can't be good. <laughs> like, they're still trying to make this happen yeah. with these characters that they own. Anyway, they were really trying to push in this, but when... Wait, isn't there a Falcon in Spider... Oh, no, no. You're thinking of the Vulture. Vulture, yeah. A Spider-Man villain. Yeah. Amazing Spider-Man 2 bombing the way it did really kind of shattered their plans. And then, and this is key, November 2014, do you remember the Sony hack? Yeah. Do you remember what the deal is with that? No. Sony was making the interview, which oh, is... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Franco-Rogan movie, yeah. Have you seen that movie? No. <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. But yeah, agents kind of tied to the North Korean government hacked Sony's emails as a retaliation of making this movie where they assassinate Kim Jong-un. Ill? I think it was Un. Anyway, they released all of these emails 
And among them was correspondence between Amy Pascal, which who was over Sony, uh, is like an executive at Sony, and Kevin Feige being like, hey, let's try to work out a deal to get Spider-Man. And Sony was kind of like, no, no, thank you. And when the fans read this, they were like, what? Marvel has been trying to like work something out. And that, that kind of public pressure is what so brought Sony back to the table to renegotiate a deal. There were also some other weird things that were revealed. Like at one point they were going to have like the, remember, you know, the Jonah Hill, Channing Tatum movie, like the Jump Street movies. Yeah. They're going to have those crossover with Men in Black. And there are emails from Channing Tatum of him just like all caps insanity. So excited for these. <laughs> Just Google Channing Tatum of Sony Hack. You will, not, I, you will not regret it. They also revealed what were like some plans they might have had for other Spider-Man spinoff movies, including one would be a young Aunt May movie where she's a spy. <laughs> it, it was just such a fascinating peek into the mind of like what executives say behind the scenes when anything's fair game, like there's no bad ideas. Let's just see what will stick. Well, let me let me find the actual. Okay, this is like the actual image. <laughs> Do you want to explain what you're seeing? It says "F you, Ted!" Exclamation point times four. Second of all, time biatch. Come on, Jump Streeters, we got Kate Blanchett with this box office bitches. Aha! All caps. That, she didn't do the aha justice because it is probably like thirty lines of just like he passed out on the keyboard. I'm speechless. That is that's that's his response to the idea that they might do a Jump Street Men in Black crossover, and he's super psyched for it. Biatch. Anyway, this brought them back to the table. They ended up working out a very a very weird deal, which is like they share some of the profits. Sony produces all the solo Spider-Man movies, but Sony can have Marvel characters in Spider-Man movies, and Spider-Man can be in Marvel movies. But Marvel does makes all of the creative decisions, even in the Spider-Man solo movies. So like they hire the directors, the cast, the screenwriters, everything. But Sony puts up the money for the solo movies. It's like this weird, like kind of intricate deal. But it's like this weird thing where they are sharing Spider-Man. You were kind of like aware when it sort of fell apart last year. and But now it's back again. Like the deal's back in place. But Well, what happened? Sony wanted him back? I can't remember. It was like they it came to the time to like renew the deal. And Sony was like, hey, we want like a bigger cut of what this is. And they're just negotiating back and forth. And it kind of got leaked. And they were negotiations fell apart for a little bit. There's a time last year where people were like, Tom Holland Spider-Man is back out of the Marvel Universe. It's funny too, because just like imagining Tom Holland just... Well, and he, he tells that, I can't remember who he was like, which talk show host he was talking about, but he called... Bob Iger or maybe someone at Sony. He called someone kind of drunk to be like, hey, like, let's try to work this out. And apparently that helped. <laughs> I'll try to find the, like, the interview and just throw so it in. Like 21, right? Yeah, yeah like 21 or 22. Uh, Bob Iger was here. Bob Iger is yes. the CEO of the Disney, Disney Corporation. He runs ABC, our network. He runs Marvel. He runs everything, really. Yes. He uh, was telling us a story about of course, we most of us who care know that at one time, Sony, which owns the rights to Spider-Man, was pulling Spider-Man out of the Marvel Universe, and it was terrible. And you somehow, right. according to Bob, smoothed that over. Is that correct? Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> we were at D23, which is the big Disney convention, right. and the news had come out, and I, I was obviously devastated. I was really upset, and all my Marvel friends were there, and they were taking, like, Marvel pictures, and I was like... <laughs> Not allowed to be in them. It was awful. Really, and, um, you were excluded from the photograph. Yeah, it did like a big. It, yeah, it was. It was oh, not the best wow. day. But anyway, I asked if I could get Bob's email 
because I just wanted to say thank you. I just wanted to say this has been an amazing five years of my life. Thank you for changing my life in the best way, and I hope that we can work together in the future. And I got his email, I sent him the email, and then he responded very quickly saying, I'd love to jump on the phone with you at some point. When are you free? And you, you don't give Bob Iger, like, a schedule. You're like, mm -hmm. whenever, Bob. Mm -hmm. So, like, two, three days go by, and then my family and I went to the pub quiz in our local, like, town. Oh, like the night of trivia? Yeah, yeah like, we're, okay. doing, we're doing a quiz. Okay. And I'm, like, three pints in, <laughs> right? I haven't eaten much. And I get a phone call from an unknown number, and I have a feeling, I'm like, I think this is Bob Iger. <laughs> but I'm drunk. <laughs> So anyway, so my dad's like, just take the call, you'll be fine. So anyway, so I answer the call, and I'm like, hey, Bob. But I basically just said, thank you for the opportunity, and then he said, there is a world in where we can make this work, and then there was a bunch of phone calls back and forth from Tom Rothman. He was really instrumental in the process, and, and, uh, and it was really interesting for me to have these two, like, studio heads, like, what do you think? Uh-huh, yeah, it was like... I don't know. A I'm custody arrangement, in a way. <laughs> yeah. But Bob's... I think Bob said you cried on the phone. Is that true? I weeped. You... Did you really... No, I didn't weep. I did, yeah. You did a little bit? <laughs> yeah. No, I was really emotional. Uh-huh. Because I felt like it was all coming to an end. It was... It was bad news. <laughs> it really was bad news. No, we... I don't know. We had a really good plan with what we were going to do with Sony. The future of Spider-Man was still very bright. Uh-huh. Um, but it would have been a shame to take him out of the MCU, you know? Right. He's where he belongs, and we've built such a strong character in that world, and it would have been a shame to, to lose that, but I'm just really glad that we managed Boy, I'm really it. glad you got drunk and got on the phone with Bob. And <laughs> I know, yeah. The Russos talk about how there was also a stipulation while they were working out the negotiation of being like, you can't reveal that we're actually talking about this. So they just talked about how there was like this weird stress of like, at any point the deal could collapse. <laughs> and so they were always aware that Spider-Man might not be in this movie, but he also might be. It's a weird way to make a movie. So anyway, they had like narrowed it down to like a handful of actors. They had like chemistry reads with these like handful of actors with both Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. Downey and the Russos, they were like the ones really lobbying for Tom Holland. And that's, they announced him, they got him cast and Tom Holland is Spider-Man. It was announced that Spider-Man was going to be in the movie, but the first shot that they had was in one of the trailers. It, they showed the scene where he steals caps. Oh shit. He steals Captain America. He still can't. Oh my gosh. He steals Captain America's shield, right? Which is like marketing genius because that means the only shot of Spider-Man has Captain America's shield. So anyone looking up that picture of Spider-Man knows he is going to be in the Marvel movies now. Maybe that wasn't intentional, but it's a very clever way of Marvel being like, he's back. He's in our world now. I like his design is based on like the early 1960s Steve Ditko design. I kind of have my beef with like the ultra powered Stark tech Spider-Man suits because I kind of want Spider-Man to be more ground level and a bit more like an underdog. But one detail I really like is the goggles will like shrink and go wide. Yep. I like that because in the comics, it's hard to make characters expressive that just have masks. So they'll like make his eyes go big or small and they're able to mimic that in live action. It's, it's really cool. It's, it's very yeah. effective. I love it. Another thing they were able to do with both Spider-Man and Black Panther is essentially do away with origin stories in a lot of ways. A lot of the kind of the steps you go through is there's an origin movie that kind of like establishes who a character is, but we've seen so many superhero origin movies at this point. I think Marvel started doing something really clever where you could have these origin movies built into other films so that when you get to Black Panther and Spider-Man, their own solo movies, they can just hit the ground running. This movie did all of the heavy lifting 
to the point where that's honestly why I kind of don't like Captain Marvel that much. Because to me, it feels like kind of a generic origin movie. But I okay. feel like since you haven't seen that many, it doesn't feel as rote to you. What, that's right. You know what I mean? Well, especially because nobody really wants to see another Spider-Man, like specifically like Spider-Man yes. origin story. Yeah, We've seen two of them. Yeah, in the last decade. Yeah. Yeah. So they're able to skip all of that and he is just already Spider-Man. And and audiences now are so familiar with like superheroes that they're just accepting of like, yeah, no, I'll get it. I get it. You don't have to explain everything to me. Like, I told get it i'll follow it something else i thought you might like to know when baron zemo activates bucky and he is breaking out of the german compound and steve rogers like grabs onto the helicopter and like holds on yeah i thought that part was sweet chris evans injured his arm because of all the takes he had to do which was just holding on to these two things and just flexing his (laughs) biceps he like strained his muscles. They schedule any scenes of him just in like t-shirts earlier in the shoot. And they purposely get them sizes too small to really just show off his bulk. Wow. Because over the course of filming, he loses mass because oh, they're filming. Oh, I see what you mean. So yeah. they front load all of the scenes to just like show off his physique. They back load the ones where he's like wearing a costume. That is so funny. All right. The airport brawl. We already talked about it a little bit, but they bring in basically every character you know up to this point. They bring in Ant-Man. Hawkeye comes back oh, for like an extended Ant-Man sequence. Ant-Man was great. He was so great. He's so cute and funny and great. <laughs> Here's what I love. From a structural standpoint, this is very smart because bringing in all of these characters and having the stakes of the fight being no one really wants to kill each other except for like Black Panther and Bucky, right? They all just want to stop each other. So you never really think anyone's really going to die. So the audience is just able to enjoy watching all of their toys fight. Yeah. And you're injecting some much needed levity before you're going just headlong into like a very dour finale. (laughs) And it is, it's full of so many character beats you get interesting pairings. They pair off. Basically, every character gets to like have some kind of interaction that just reveals so much about the characters and is so funny to watch. <laughs> what, is, what does Ant-Man say? He's like, buckled in? Yeah. No, I'm good. I'm good, Arrow guy. Let's go. Let's go. Part is so funny. That scene, okay, <laughs> when he's holding the arrow and like the, the camera's focused on Ant-Man holding onto it, yeah. that is ripped from a cover of an Avengers comic oh. where he shoots, an, Hawkeye shoots an arrow with Ant-Man on it. Oh, we didn't talk about Hawkeye. I love him. He's great. I'm always going to love him. He's a, he's kind of an MVP in this movie because he just comes in for like a handful of scenes, but he's so good. And like his relationship with Wanda is so interesting. That he's the one to go collect her. And I like his character too. I like that he's like a family guy. That's and just, just like a normal of, person. Yeah, none of them are. Ant-Man kind of is a family guy. This is also the first time you see Giant Man that he's able to <laughs> grow out. And it's so much fun. I know. Um, the blue stair car is in the background because the Russos were involved with Arrested Development. Do you think it's weird that there are just average normal people operating in this world? Now that you say that, maybe, but I, it doesn't feel weird when I'm watching the movie. Does it bother you that Black Widow, who's just a person, is involved in this fight alongside no. of like someone like Captain America, who's a super soldier? No, it, or doesn't, Vision? it really doesn't bother me because they're all so different. So it doesn't like... I guess you could... Then you could make the argument like, well, does it bother you that Thor, who's a god... Sometimes it kind of bothers me in some of the action sequences because if they had some reason why they were a little bit more special or a little bit stronger than an average person, I think I would probably buy it more. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's weird that Sam Wilson is the next Captain America when he is just a yeah, guy? Yeah, that, that's kind of weird. I don't know. I wondered if that would bother you at all. No. Okay. 
I just kind of accept it. The finale. Did you think that they were going to have to fight five winter soldiers? Yes. I did too. Absolutely. And it, it was kind of just kind of like, oh. I feel exactly the same way. I was really relieved. I'm really glad they subverted that and they're just dead and that the conflict becomes between Captain America, Iron Man, and the Winter Soldier. I remember in the theaters thinking like, I guess, okay, they're going to go just fight more nameless minions again. Yeah, I don't care about these people. At this point, Marvel gets so big with their third acts. It's always world-ending. The universe sometimes is at stake. And I love that this, it was physically smaller, just like three guys fighting in a basement. But the stakes were so much more personal. It was such a better ending than the world's on fire, aliens are invading New York. It's so much more interesting and it, it was kind of a breath of fresh air. Yeah, and also have you had dreams before where you're trying to escape like Bucky does? <laughs> yeah. And you just keep like getting like Something stopping you? Yeah. The fight itself is so interesting because of those same things of like people want different things. Iron Man wants to kill Bucky. So he is going all out anything he can do to kill him. Captain America is just trying to subdue Tony from killing Bucky. So like even their methods of what they're doing have different severity levels. It's a bit hampered because you know where the movies are going to go. But were you wondering like who was going to win or like what would come out of this fight? No, because I've seen it before. Oh. (laughs) Damn it. But the part that kind of are like, oh, is the very, very end when Captain America takes his shield and you're like, what's he going to do? And then he just like turns off Tony's, what's that thing called? His arc reactor that's yeah, there. Yeah, he just destroys it. But you think he's going for his head, which yeah. would have killed him. He is. He's like smashing his head and then yeah. he rips off the helmet. So Tony's face is just exposed and you can like see it in his eyes for a second. Like, yeah, he's going to kill me. I love that too when he he turns off the arc reactor and there's just like the fight's done and they're both they're everyone's just kind of taking in what just happened when they show the video and Tony finally puts it together that Bucky killed his family. Do you think Bucky knows before he goes over there and sees? He's got a face like he knows. Yes, he does. Because when they're fighting or when they're fighting later and Tony's like, Do you even remember them? I remember all of them. And even Steve knows that's something that's kind of revealed in the Winter Soldier. It's highly implied that Bucky killed the Starks in the Winter Soldier. So that's when Steve found out. So he's known for like two years. Okay. Did you know? I didn't know it was him. I just did you know. That bit, that like that sense of betrayal is so believable. And just, I mean, if you just saw on a screen your parents being brutally murdered by the person standing uh. next to you, you just buy that part when when Steve's like, "This isn't gonna change what happened. I don't care. He killed my mom." You really believe like, yeah, I don't even care what the consequences are gonna come from this. I'm just filled with so much anger right now. Yeah. Another beat, Captain America stops him and he's picking up Buck and they're gonna leave. And it's almost like Tony doesn't know what to do. So he just kind of lashes out the only way that he can is by just being like, A shield doesn't belong to you. You don't deserve it. My father made that shield. I also wanted to tell you that shot where it's after he's blown off Bucky's arm and Captain America runs at him and he just shoots at him and then it's like a slow-mo of him shooting at the shield. Mm-hmm. That is taken from one of the covers of the Civil War comic books, which is like Iron Man shooting at Captain America's shield. They like oh, recreated very that. Cool. That is something I personally love in comic book movies when they recreate covers or panels from the comics. Yeah, I can appreciate that. One criticism people have said is like, the, the movie doesn't really let you sit with it long enough. Pretty soon after, he gets the package from Steve and the letter where he's like, I'm sorry, 
But if you need me, and he has a flip phone, did you see that? Yeah. And then he breaks everyone out of the raft prison. What do you think of the raft prison? Spooky. When Tony goes in for the first time and sees on the monitor, Wanda just like in the corner with that necklace thing on that's like subduing her powers. Imagine if you were in there. I'll just tell you some other random things. Okay. Um, they filmed in Atlanta. That's a lot of the Marvel movies film in Atlanta. They also filmed in Germany, uh, in Puerto Rico, and in Norway. Puerto Rico? Yeah. What'd they film there? I wonder if that doubled for Lagos. And I imagine Norway probably doubled for Siberia. I wonder if people can relate to... Which I, I think is why you, you always give me the, the, lo- the filming locations. But after every movie I would go see with my dad, to this day, he always will stay around to see where the where they filmed it because it comes after the credits. And for the last like decade, it's like, you just look it up. Like you just, But we always stay until after the credits to see where it's filmed. You know how a lot of people like kind of complain like, oh, why do we have to stay for these after credit sequences? They're so dumb. Yeah. I see a lot of people on film Twitter be like, we should be happy that after credit sequences are making people stay to the end of the movies because... That's where all the names of people who worked on this movie are. Yeah. And we should probably have a habit of staying through the entire credits of every movie. Just as a thank you. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the music is great in a movie and you don't really get to really appreciate the movie by itself, or the music, I mean, without sitting there in the credits and just really letting the music hit you too. Yeah. Why yeah. was your dad? I don't know. Is a pilot. Maybe he just, I mean, he uh, likes traveling. Yeah. He likes. Okay. That actually makes perfect sense. Majored in geography. <laughs> Majors in geography. Pilots, I guess. What do you think of the visual effects in the movie? I thought they were good. There were parts that were like choppy. Yeah. What are those? I think Marvel movies. Just, I love when I say the right thing that like prompts you. As if I handed you a cue card to like ask me the question. Yeah. I feel like there's just so many visual effects shots to do in these movies that they kind of cut corners a bit. The worst was apparently they had to basically redo digitally all of the airport fight. So a lot of the background you're seeing is digitally changed and they just kind of photoshopped all of the people in. And like with scheduling problem, with scheduling conflicts between all the different cast, a lot of times they're not even in the same shot. So you'll have just like a static shot of different characters having a conversation, but they're not actually on, on a location together. Oh, okay. They ended up digitally recreating all of Black Panther's outfit. They finally got Spider-Man cast so late in the movie, like even included in the movie, that they hadn't agreed on a Spider-Man costume. So he is completely digital in this movie. Yeah, I did notice that as well. I have a feeling the effects in some of these Marvel movies, and this one maybe especially, are going to age very poorly. Because even I was able to see some of the cracks that I might not have noticed like four years ago. Well, at least most of it was done practically then. Yeah, um, they also digitally de-aged Robert Downey Jr. for that yeah. early sequence. Yeah, that looked fine, I think. Yeah, that's always unfair to criticize when when you know that something is de-aged. It's kind of unfair to be like, well, I could tell it was fake. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we know. We know because Robert Downey Jr. isn't 20. Yeah. So the reception was positive to this movie. Okay, okay. 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. It made $1.15 billion, so you can bet your ass that Robert Downey Jr. got that back end. <laughs> I think it's funny that it was released about three months after Batman v Superman. You haven't seen Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. No, and I... I like to say it's full name so you just really understand how silly it is. I never will. Okay. I don't think I'll ever watch it again either, but it is weird that this was released three months later. They are both movies where the flagship heroes are in conflict with each other and the emotional conflict rests entirely on one of their parents. Weird. 
You don't know the Martha scene at all, do you? The Martha scene. You ever heard that before? No. I'll tell you very fast. Okay. Batman doesn't like Superman in Batman v Superman. They have a fight. Most of the movie is them not liking each other. Mostly Batman not liking Superman because he doesn't trust him because he's too powerful. They have a big fight. He gets kryptonite. Superman's weak and he's going to kill him. And Superman's trying to tell him like, go rescue my mother, whose name is Martha Kent. Okay. And he says, save Martha, which is weird. If your mom was in trouble, you would never be like, save Nancy. <laughs> but he says, save Martha. And Martha is the name of Bruce Wayne's mother, Martha Wayne. And hearing his mother's name from the lips of his enemy is what causes him to stop and think like, no, I'm not going to kill you. Let's work together. Let's go rescue your mom. Okay. There's a lot in what you just said. The face you're making is... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Bet that movie didn't make $1.3 billion. You know what's crazy? It made like maybe 800 or 900 million. Imagine the first movie ever to have Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman all in the same movie. Probably the most- Is that Gal Gadot? She was in that? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Probably the two most popular superhero movies, superheroes ever, and it didn't even make 1 billion. Not good. (laughs) Okay. Can I tell you where this kind of fits in the larger narrative really fast? Sure. No update on the Infinity Stones. There weren't any in this movie except for the one in old Vision's head right there. You probably might have noticed this, but Bruce Banner and Thor get name dropped, but they don't show up. Did that surprise you that they didn't show up? No, because they both disappear at the end of Ultron. Yeah, so they're still unaccounted for. The movie ends with the Avengers completely fractured. The only real Avengers are like Iron Man, War Machine, and Vision. When Tony to, to Natasha Romanov is like, they're coming for you, you better watch your back. And she leaves. That would lead into whatever happens in the Black Widow solo movie. Uh, happens on the back of this. Like, where does she go? Well, we would have seen that by now. <laughs> That's sad. We honestly would have. That's a bummer. And the movie ends with Steve breaking the other Avengers out of the raft and going on the run. Are they on the run in Infinity War? They are. Can't wait. So, and which takes place two years after this. So for two years, they are, they're going around doing like secret missions, still stopping people. But they're definitely laying low the American government and like the world governments are all after them. Okay. And Thor takes place right after this too. Or during this. Uh, yeah. That's where he goes. He yes. goes to Ragnarok. Well, Ragnarok is an event, but yes. <laughs> Like Burning Man? Like a Billy Joel concert? (laughs) Yeah. It's not a location, I guess. I thought it was. I wouldn't have expected you to know either way. So it's basically like Thor End of Days. Yeah. Okay. But the Avengers are fractured and the world, you could argue in some ways, is very vulnerable to any other threats that are out there. Coronavirus? (sighs) You know what? I'll say this. I'll say it. Say it. I missed Thor, but I did not miss Bruce Banner. Oh, really? I really like Bruce Banner. He's fine. I just, Thor's better and I missed him. So that's all. I'd like to end there. Okay. Most interesting character? Probably Captain America or Iron Man in this one. Okay. For me, it's Iron Man. Yeah, probably. Captain America. I just think he has a bit more to like mull over and chew on dramatically, but I do like Captain America a lot. Yeah. Uh, Least interesting character? I'm going to say the Falcon. Just Falcon. That's too bad. Yeah. He's fine. He'll, I don't feel too bad for him though because his time's coming. That's true. He's almost Captain America. Although, do you know like that TV show will mostly be about how the US government does not want him to be Captain America? That sounds very interesting. I know, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, most engaging part of the movie. The airport brawl. The airport, yeah. They also, that one. Let's go lesbians, let's go! (laughs) (laughs) That part where they all rush each other. Yeah. It's pretty good, right? Yeah. And then when they all like fight. Yep. That's called the splash page because... In oh, a lot of comic sure. books, they're like... They're, I know what a splash page is. I didn't know. All right. You can you can tell the crew. 
Oh, listeners, you yeah. mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, there are other people in here? <laughs> we have a live studio audience. <laughs> uh, splash pages are like if you open up a comic book and like both pages make one across the fold, one big image of like a fight or something very dramatic happening. That's like a Also page. known as a two-page spread in magazines. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Sorry, I was editor of my high school <laughs> magazine. You almost say high school musical. Yes, I did. Uh, high school literary magazine. I was... I was the art editor. Well, I um, I was one of the illustrators for our seventh grade newspaper. Oh, very nice. Thank you. I auditioned by drawing a picture of a T-Rex. <laughs> you hate T-Rexes. I know, but I know. This is actually probably why like they scare me so much is I'm so intimately like familiar with like the, the curves and edges of their like scary mean face. That's really messed up. They actually have an interesting way to draw them because like of the way like the eyebrows arch and like the, they have like cheekbones that kind of gut jut out. Do you want to draw one? No, me? I never want to. I never want to look okay. at one if Just I can help it. Just that seventh grade. Seventh grade, that's it. That's... Hey, hey, you know what? Whatever gets you the job. Absolutely. What was the least engaging part of this movie? I'm going to go with the very beginning uh, the very beginning of all these movies, I'm just kind of like, okay, I, I realize this is necessary. You mean like the 1991 Lagos. flashbacks? Oh, that sequence? Yeah. I actually forgot about the 1991 thing, so maybe it's that. <laughs> I like that. It was it... just, like I said, it's necessary and you understand like, okay, we got to get the ball rolling. But like. Well, and you got to show like, oh, they, they, they've worked together. They're like, a they're tight knit now. And yeah. They're... It's always messy. It's always a lot going on. Well, and actually, they're they're a bit better in some other action sequences, but some of the editing is a bit choppy, and it's a little it's a little shaky cam. Sure, Did you yeah. notice that? Yeah. Although there's a part where Captain Amer- Wanda throws Captain America into the building, and he's like hiding behind a pillar, and people are shooting at him, and he like bounces his shield off like three things. Oh and hits yeah. The guy. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, well, that's what I'd say. Or maybe the 1991 soldier. The part one. you didn't even remember. Yep. Yeah. Uh, best and worst costume. Our last question. Best costume is Vision. Best business cash. Worst costume. Getting ready to go on his yacht in the 1940s. <laughs> yeah. Worst costume is maybe. Oh, I really like Black Panther's costume too. His is good. I like Spider Man's too. He's very brought to life, like straight from the page. I th- I'm always impressed when they're able to bring them to life in a way that doesn't look so stupid. Yeah. Clint and Natasha's costumes are very boring. Yeah. They're not really costumes. They're just kind of like she wears like a cat suit. And he just kind of wears like he wears tactical like, outfit. Yeah, he's like Hunger Games kind of situation he, going on. In the comics, he has like a very purple, like it's a whole so deal. It's so weird that they, they do that with some of them, like Captain America, and they don't do it with others. Well, I think Hawkeye's outfit in Age of Ultron, they really have accents of purple, and he has like long sleeves, and he looks very much like an archer. Like Hawkeye in the comics looks kind of like a purple archer, like a okay. Robin Hood style archer. And they kind of have elements of that. Some of them, they just don't even really try to visualize. Like, Wanda Maximoff is just wearing clothes and a jacket. She's always wearing, like, a short skirt, tall boots, and a leather jacket. Yeah, and it's because her costume looks ridiculous from the comics. And so they're just like, a lot of the times they'll just steal, like, color schemes and be like, that's the best we can do. That's fair, but it's just very weird. Black like Panthers Captain looks America's. good. Yeah. His is one where like you think it would look really stupid, but they really they really it's brought really it to cool, life in a way yeah. that looks, looks and cool. And then you see the um, Wakanda at the end. Oh, yeah. And there's the panther and the rocks. Panthers the, are scary. Does that make you excited for a Black Panther movie? Yeah. Did you like how it was bulletproof because it was all made of vibranium? Yeah. And so when the helicopters are shooting at him, he just stands there. Yeah. Just def- doesn't give a shit. Bullets flying off him. Does he have a tail? No. That would be kind of... That'd be ridiculous, Courtney. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. Panthers are scary. 
I, I don't disagree. Like any big cat. Look, we, oh. we've learned a lot about big cats lately. <laughs> no, but I think panthers are the scariest to me. Why? I don't know. I, my grandpa lived in Florida where they have panthers, but what? I don't. Yeah. There's panthers in Florida? Uh-huh. But I always picture, they're not, they're kind of like cougars. Mm. But I always pictured them like Bagheera in Jungle Book. Yeah, Because panther, <laughs> like black panther. I always pictured them like that, which is like a black panther is terrifying. Is it because they can like blend in more and they're Maybe. like more Maybe, and their eyes are like green. I don't actually know if that's true, but I, I imagine them green. In one of his suits in the Black Panther movie, in the, his own solo movie, the eyes don't have eyelids to his mask. So Ooh. it's just his human eyes. And it, there's something really kind of creepy about it in Ooh. like an interesting way. I want to look that up. I think you should. Okay. All right, Courtney, any more thoughts on Civil War? Zero. How are you doing? Are you, you've liked each one more than the last. Yeah, yeah. That's fascinating to me. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Where can people find us if they want to reach the podcast? They can find us um, on Instagram at Wife Watches. Okay. On Twitter at Wife underscore Watches. Note the underscore. Noted. Or you can email us um, at MyWifeWatchesMovies at gmail.com. Send us an email. Leave us a review. Give us a rating. All of the above, please. 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 Okay, great. That's a wrap. Watch you later. And remember, compromise when you can. Where you can't, don't. Even if everyone is telling you that something wrong is something right. Even if the whole world is telling you to move. It is your duty to plant yourself like a tree. Look them in the eye and say no. You move. <laughs>